0: Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success.
1: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 315. Um, we've got a great guest. Um, With us today, Nathan Atoletar. He he gave me instructions about how to pronounce his surname. I'm terrible. And I've got my great co host, Cindy Nickerson, with me as well. Um, Nathan, would you like to quickly introduce yourselves to the listeners and viewers?
0: Yes. uh, As mentioned, I'm Nathan, Nathan Alote. Don't worry about the pronunciation. It's always interesting to hear how many different pronunciations are out there. So, no, don't worry about that. But uh, yes, I am a web designer and digital marketing strategist located in Houston, Texas. Uh, been working with uh, web design and WordPress since about two thousand and nine. Actually, started working at a web hosting company, and once at that web hosting company, uh, learned quite a bit. But also, uh, there were certain services we didn't offer clients. For whatever reason, Uh, and even I suggested, I said, hey, why don't we offer web design services and build sites for people? Um, They weren't interested. They only wanted to do the hosting environment. So I said, well, if we're not offering it and I hear people asking for it every day, let me learn something. So I learned web design, self-taught, just different tutorials online, practice, reading books, Uh, started freelancing. And then uh, I made a lot of mistakes along the way uh, because just trying to figure things out. So currently, um, I still do freelance web design, but I also uh, have a podcast and I teach other freelancers to avoid the common pitfalls that I had. So I'm trying to create the resource I wish I had when I first started. So uh, that does include online courses and a few other things, but that's pretty much what I do.
1: That sounds great. And I've got my great co-host, Cindy Nickerson, the the cool Swiss beer. Um, Cindy, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers?
2: Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you, Jonathan. I'm Cindy Nicholson um, from thecoursewhisperer.com, where I help entrepreneurs who are wanting to scale their business um, and create online courses. I help them with the design and development of those courses. So happy to be here, Jonathan. Thank you.
1: Right. So um, before we go into the meat of the interview, I just want to quickly mention um, something about my main sponsor, which is Kinsta Hosting. And Kinsta Hosting is manage WordPress hosting on steroids. If you're really looking for a really quality host for your e-commerce, your membership or your learning management website, Kinster is the business. Um, we host the WP Tonic website on Kinster, and I have some of my client websites. Fantastic support, fantastic interface design, staging site, um, daily backups, um, great interface design, um, latest versions of PHP. If you're a developer looking for your to host your own site or clients host client sites, you will not be disappointed with Kinster. So go to the WP Tonic website. There's a load of links and banners on the website to Kinster. They are affiliate links, so you would be helping the show if you use one of those links. Thanks. So Nathan. Um, so you're big to training when it comes to, work, um, to web design. What, what are some of the main challenges um, for people looking to build over a, a, a second career or a main career in web design at the present moment?
0: Yeah, the biggest thing I would say, uh, and I, I know it's a mistake I made in the past, is there is a lot of popularity around aesthetics, In other words, you want the website to be nice, you want it to look good, you want it to be pretty, Uh, and the list goes on. And there's a lot of overlap with web design and graphic design and even illustration right now. So when people look at websites, they think every website has to look like that or have that appeal. But in all honesty, uh, people tend to forget a website has to be read. A website has to have a story. A website has to flow and make sense and lead you to making a decision. I mean, any web page has that. So uh, I think there's a lot of emphasis placed on design, when in actuality, it's more about thinking of the story and uh, overcoming objections when you're on a web page. So I think a big thing right now is, uh, and we even see some of the change on uh, website builders. A lot of things like Wix and Squarespace, they are saying click and drag, make your own site. But You have to know a lot about uh, design theory and the intuitiveness of a website to really make something good. If you just hop in there, you're just dragging things where you think they want to go. So overall, I would say um, read more about branding and storytelling just to understand where you're trying to lead somebody rather than just hop in. So that's definitely something I see right now. And learning those skills are really timeless because no matter what it is, you're going to need those type of skills.
1: I, I, I totally agree with you, Nathan. Um, especially the, you know, both Wix and Squarespace, they're not exactly how to word this. They're not lying with their adverts, but they're not being totally um, forthcoming about the reality of building a site that has any effectiveness. Would you agree with that?
0: I would. I will say they've improved over time. I remember when they both first came out, but. Uh, they're, they're making it seem like just hop in and you can create your own site, which is true, but people, and this is a mistake I made, people don't want a website. They want the website to actually do something. They want a result from the website. They want it to lead them somewhere, and that takes a lot more information than just clicking and dragging. Uh, you know. But that's my thoughts, but that's something people can learn over time, but if they learn that up front, uh, they'll be way ahead of where I was because it took me years to figure those things out.
1: Well, you know, in a way, um, WordPress was just as guilty when it when it entered the market with its, what was it, a f- um, three-minute install and you'd be going and some of the statements they made, which when you, if you weren't from a technical background, you would spend a whole day installing it and uh, you'd be lucky if you got it to work, wouldn't you?
0: No, you're right. Uh, I, rem- I remember when that came out, too, because I was still working at the web hosting company. It was uh, one minute install, three minute install, click a couple of buttons. It's it's ready for you. And then the next question is, I want to build a site. OK, use this theme. And then they use the theme and they're like, OK, now what? OK, you have to actually write content. So What do you want to write? And then they would write something. But then, again, the question comes up, it's not doing what I want it to do. So I do believe there were some false expectations, you know, build it and they will come. But um, that's something that everyone has to figure out. Building the website is step one. Then you have to analyze it and figure out, is it doing what you want it to do? And that's like step two through 23 and ongoing. Uh, Step one is getting something up. But you have to keep reiterating uh, as time goes on. Cindy, you got a question?
2: Yeah, so it's it, it's interesting because you often hear people who are starting a business, they're, they're often worried about like the website and I've got to get my website up. So when, when people are working with you, where do you start with them in order to kind of overcome this huge, you know, ob- perceived obstacle that they have?
0: Yeah, honestly, I tend to, it's really about setting expectations. When I work with someone, I try to ask them uh, two main questions just to see where their mind is at. Uh, one question is: If everything was to go ideally perfect, what is success? And they, they say a lot of things. I tend to see if they're too far in the clouds, or or if they're grounded. I tend to see where their head is at, and then I say, okay, well, if everything does not go perfect and things don't go as planned, what is failure? And then they say what their fears are, what they want to avoid, and things of that nature. So going from there, I tend to ask questions about who they are or their business as a brand, if you will, like, no, you know, because if your website is your best sales person, uh, what is the personality of that particular salesperson, Right. So what is the voice of that? Salesperson? So I try to find out what they're going for, because there are so many things that are on the opposite sides of the spectrum that still work, but you have to choose where you fall. You have to choose your segment. You have to choose who you're targeting. The list goes on. So just try to find out more about, who they are, who they're trying to reach, and then the biggest thing for me, I try, I really try to hone in on is, what is your story, and who are you? How can you help people, and why should they care, if you will? So I really try to hone in on that because uh, I even know for me, when you put yourself out there and you don't answer those questions, people will put you in the box. The problem is you don't have control over what box they place you in so it's better if you as a creator you as the brand person you as someone who wants to build a site you're the one defining what that box is so yeah it's more questions about that and then finally we can talk later about a website and their feelings about it but it honestly is finding out more about them and their unique story because that would be their positioning
2: well, I can imagine with building websites, like if somebody just wants their, they don't kind of recognize it's so much more than just having clickable links and web pages or whatever. There's so much more than just the website itself. So it's good. I'm assuming that that's how you ended up doing the brand strategy alongside it because you can't have one without the other.
0: Yeah, true. Because I mean, too many times I, I used to build a website, deliver it and then leave, leave it be. And then I'll say, I did what I was supposed to do Our transaction is over. Money has been transacted. And I started recognizing and and observing that wasn't what they wanted. Uh, They wanted, as I mentioned, they wanted the website to do something. So um, as a better service to my clients, I said, okay, a website is the first step, but I might need to analyze it and come back months later and say, is it doing what you want it to do? Or uh, on the front end, really challenge them and say, Do you really want a website? Maybe a one page website is good enough for you. Maybe a landing page is all you need. Do convince me why you need a website, if you will. And um, as long as they can do that and their thoughts are strong about it, it makes sense. But uh, I've I've done that too many times where I built something and and at the end of the day, it either didn't do what they wanted to or it was up and on my portfolio. And then I had to take it off my portfolio because the website doesn't exist anymore because they weren't making uh, money or progress as they wanted to. So that's what I've learned over time with that. Right.
1: So what's your position on paid discovery or what I call a business intensive session or sessions? What was your position on that, Nathan?
0: I guess I I always did that as a part of working with my clients, uh, but it was included in just the overall price. I never separated that out by itself as a productized service. That's something I did, honestly, toward the end of last year. So I've been freelancing nearly 10 years. I never did that. I only had that as a part of the service. I think that's required and it makes sense. Uh, And the biggest thing that I would say is it's something people need they don't think they need. (laughs) Um, A lot of businesses that we look up to uh, that we look at, that we reference, whether it be Amazon, Google, Nike, uh, all the things that we reference and we tend to quote over and over, Apple, they all have those things. They all know their mission, their vision, their target. They already have those things. They they define them once, and then it drives everything that they do. So we tend to covet like that level of success, but then don't want to do the work up front. But again, it's one of those things people say, I don't need that. You're just trying to nickel and dime me. Oh, I don't need all that. But honestly, once they go through it, they're like, oh, I needed it. So I do offer that as a standalone product. But I tend to do that also with all of my clients as well. So um, and if they really don't want to pay for it or don't see the importance of it, I might try to make a case study out of it or tell them, "Okay, maybe I'll take sections of what you're saying and put it on my podcast or something just so other people can see a glimpse into my business. But I think it's necessary for everyone Because if you don't do that and don't discover what the target is, I mean, you'll always miss when you don't have anything to aim for. So,
1: Yeah, that's great. I think we're going to go for our break, folks. When we come back, we'll be talking some more with Nathan, but we'll be focusing on his um, experience of building online courses and what he's learned through the process. We'll be back in a few moments, folks.
0: They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast.
1: We're coming back. Um, we're talking to Nathan um, and my co-host, Cindy Nickerson. Um, so, Nathan, um, you got a lot of experience because, We're about WordPress, but we're also about building courses and getting success from your experience. And um, so you've been doing courses for quite a while. What are some of the key things you've learned through your years of building courses and promoting them?
0: I think the biggest thing that I would say uh, in terms of building a course, you don't have to know everything. And the great thing about courses, you can add on to it. I think people forget that. Uh, oftentimes, they want to plan everything out. But it's like, hey, you can start with however many lessons and just continue to add value to it. So uh, the first thing I would say is start with an outline. Start with however many essential lessons you have. And definitely do video. Uh, definitely do any type of screen sharing. And definitely do Uh, writing or a transcript of that video as well. The reason I'm saying definitely on those things is you want to tackle or at least address the different type of learning styles, you know, auditory, those who learn by hearing and visual learners and uh, those who are more kinetic, they want to do something or follow your instructions. So if you cover all bases, that normally makes a more immersive learning experience because you don't know how someone learns. Uh, But if you cover all those bases, even if that's stripping the audio from the lesson and um, adding it as a download to the lesson so someone can listen to it on the go, something like that, those type of things work well uh, when putting together a course. And the reason I mentioned, you don't have to have everything up front, just have your essential lessons you can add to it later. Uh, That's somewhat of a pitfall I see with courses. People tend to build a course, launch it, And unfortunately, never go back to update it. Or when they do update it, it's literally maybe five, three years later, something like that. Um, Show that you have value, that you actually care, right? So somebody goes through it, they give you feedback, change it, and get credit for the fact you're changing things. Whenever you update it, it's another excuse to announce the course, promote the course, move forward with the course, um, speaking of promoting the course, um, even if you're building it, no matter how much you have done, continue to talk about it, continue to talk about the course. Uh, no matter what it is, you finish a module, you're writing something, you made a graphic, put that out there on social media to build expectation of the course. Uh, and really that's an ongoing process. Um, anything you add it's another excuse to promote the course. I have a lot more I can say about courses, but I don't want to um, talk too long in one breath, but that's just some things up front.
1: No, I'm, I'm going to let Cindy, I'm sure has got some questions. <laughs> Cindy, you yeah.
2: yeah, so so your business is helping like other um, freelancers build their business. So what, when it comes to, do you have many freelancers wanting to create online courses and what Like what struggles or how do you get them over that um that initial um, barrier in terms of getting courses created for
0: them? I think the biggest thing is making sure that they actually complete it. Um, A course can come across as overwhelming because when you look at some of the things that are out there, it can be intimidating, right? You see somebody making a course and you're like, wow, I have to have that. Uh, And I fell victim to that as well. And I've been guilty of that as well. The fact that I need to have everything by the time of launch. And as I mentioned, Even if you launch in pieces, it's an excuse to show people you're making it better. So the biggest thing for me is making sure, do an outline and finish the course. This will get better over time. Because uh, another thing that I've had to learn and I've even seen in working with clients is you launch your course. People will then give you feedback and tell you what to change. Right now, you're just guessing. Right. Um, You might have some background as to why you're doing that. And, th- and that makes sense, but you're just guessing. And as people go through your course, they'll tell you exactly what to change and what to fix. And you'll be surprised that you wanted to do 12 things, but then you only did five of those 12 and people say, oh, this was an awesome course. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't even done, but yeah, sure. Awesome course. Bec- and that's just more time should be invested in talking to your community and then hearing back for them. Um, on that point, I didn't say this earlier, but uh, your course should also have some aspect of community. It can be a chat room. It could be Slack or whatever. But if you're going to have a community, stay active and stay immersive. Because as I mentioned, those are the people who are going to tell you what to change. And they've actually paid you. So that's the biggest thing. Course creators feeling overwhelmed by all the work, but they really just need to pare it down and get something up and running because they'll find out it's easier to make changes to something that exists rather than to keep building something that hasn't launched yet was that really, would that answer your question cuz i can definitely go in different spaces <laughs> with that but was that enough to answer your question or you have like a follow up to that or what are you thinking
2: no absolutely it's it's uh, you know in terms of working with freelancers i often find that a lot of them struggle to to actually get their course done because they face this, you know, who am I, this whole imposter syndrome of of putting something like that out there. But Do you find that your clients have face this and how do you help them overcome it?
0: Funny you mentioned that. Literally uh, this past weekend uh, at, at the time of this recording, I released the episode on uh, imposter syndrome on my mm-hmm. podcast. But uh, we all face that and imposter syndrome is... You have a certain level of accomplishments, but sometimes you feel like a fraud because you're not good enough. Or how can I compare to uh, how can I compare to Matt Mullenweg? I'm not him. You know, it's like, whatever. The thing the thing is. You have to take a step back and just look at your accomplishments. And I tend to recommend to people I'm very good at finding out other people's value because they don't view what they've done as important or impressive because as I mentioned, we're all comparing ourselves to the people we look up to. But in all honesty, if you just sit back and think about everything you've done in the last three to five years, you'll have a lot of evidence to show, you know, you are making progress. You do know what you're talking about. You have grown. People are coming to you for a list of things. So again, it's really just getting people to see that they're valuable. Uh, One person that, I gave this example in the video, but there was a filmmaker named Corey McCabe, and he was all apprehensive about uh making a course and even uh working with a YouTuber. And I was like, Corey, haven't you already edited over a thousand videos on YouTube? And you've you've been a part of at least making six courses. He's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh yeah, right? So again, uh lean back on what you've done in the past. For support on the more, the more that you will do in the future. Uh, and we all need that encouragement or self-encouragement, really.
1: Right. Yeah, I think you, because, I, I, you know, you've got a fascinating, um, um, I was going to say background, but that's not really the correct word, really, because obviously you've got, got an MBA, haven't you? And also you've got your artistic side as well. So you kind of link your business insights with your uh, artistic design part of you as well, don't you, Nathan?
0: Yeah, uh, great observation. You really did do research. But yeah, so uh, I did get my MBA. My background was in engineering. I did engineering and applied mathematics. And then um, I started, I said, wow, I don't know anything about business. Maybe I should go to business school. (laughs) And then I went to business school and learned those business skills. But even more than that, it was the application of taking a business concept and pairing it with the creative skill that really allowed me to get some progress. And I really feel like in design school, they do need to teach more business, you know, branding. I mean, they always talk about branding from a design standpoint, but they really do need to teach more business skills. One of my favorite classes was pricing strategy in the MBA program, talking about how do you set a price? Everybody needs that. So Uh, I really do think they could benefit from implementing more design into the business degree and more business into a design degree. Uh, One of the classes I took in the MBA program was how to make beautiful presentations. And it was taught by an art teacher. I was like, everyone needs this because we all have seen death by PowerPoint. So uh, I really think the more you can, if you're a designer, even a developer, uh, doesn't matter. The more business concepts that you learn and integrate with your business, I think the stronger you'll be, um, because your clients more than likely are businesses. You can t- you can talk about PHP code base and uh, I coded this in Python, and the list goes on. They they just care about okay, what's the bottom line for my business? So you have to be able to translate that.
1: So when it comes to the courses, you know, um, what was when you did your first course? Looking back. What some tips and insights about uh, marketing that first course? What were some of the things you thought you did well and some, by reflecting back, things you could have done better?
0: Yeah, I think the four, first ever course I did, I made it free and I just put it out there because I just wanted to see what would happen. And I didn't expect so many people to come from... Well, one thing is I didn't expect so many people to be international like come from overseas I'm like oh wow I didn't even think about those who and I live like I mentioned Houston Texas in the United States I didn't even think about those who were overseas I was really thinking about the American well,
1: you the rest of America <laughs> yeah,
0: so I was just thinking about I live in the US so people who are like me in the US will look at the course that's what I was thinking but a lot of people came from other countries and I was like oh wow I didn't even consider Uh, Maybe I should have thought about translating things, possibly. Maybe I shouldn't have been so nuanced into only speaking to um, the U.S. market. Because one of the uh, course lessons was about uh, taxes. I didn't think a lot of people spoke about taxes. And it's hard to do that on an international level. But even still, a lot of my examples were strictly the United States. I I really should have looked into other countries and, and spoke more generally about it. Um, and far as a promoting, as I mentioned, I fell victim to I only want to promote when I have everything together. And that definitely is, I don't think that, that was definitely not the right way to go. Uh, uh, a guy named Adam Wavin, I know, um, he did a great job of just talking about his course. It was like one of his first courses. He just talked about it the whole time and it just allowed his email list to grow. I was, you know, in my, little course laboratory by myself building Frankenstein and I didn't want to tell anybody. And then when I launched it, I said, Hey, it's ready now. I probably could have had more people if I just was more open about what I was building in public. Um, I definitely would say that as well, uh, pricing. I wasn't sure on what to price it as well. Like I mentioned, the first course was free, but, um, when you make things free, it skews the value of what it is that you're providing because they don't know how to perceive the next level free to anything seems expensive. So maybe that first course, I probably would have had a uh, price tag on it, even if it was small. And um, even if it was using price anchoring where I said the free course, you get five videos, Uh, the next level up, the plus level you get 10 and then the advanced level, you get everything. Uh, I should have had some type of anchoring there, just so people can see how valuable it is they're getting, so yeah, just just many mistakes made, but you know it's not it's not really a mistake, it's an opportunity for improvement, I'd say
1: Oh, that's great, Nathan. I think we're gonna finish off the podcast part of the show, folks. Nathan's agreed to stay on for a little while, and we're gonna be talking about the future of WordPress in our bonus content, which you'll be able to view on the w p tonic website with a full set of show notes and on our YouTube channel. So Nathan, if people want to get hold of you and learn more about yourself and what you're up to,
0: what's the best way for them? Yeah, the best thing to do is you can go to Nathan That's N-A-T-H-A-N A-L-L-O-T-E-Y dot com. If you're tired of trying to figure out how to spell alote, uh, you can just go to FreelanceJumpstart.tv That'll get you to that podcast section of my site. That'll work too.
1: And Cindy, how can people find out about what you're up to and what you're doing?
0: Well, if
2: anyone's uh, needing some help with uh, getting their course designed or created, then they can reach me at thecoursewhisperer.com and um, send me a note, and I'd be happy to
1: help. That's great, Cindy. And WP Tonic, we're a maintenance support company. Um, with emphasis on membership and learning management systems. Um, I'm quite passionate about it, even though I'm English. Um, if you really want to support the show, folks, um, leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help the show, and it helps us get some great guests. Um, I'm excited for the next couple of months with Cindy's help. We got Already we've got some great experts um, that we've Already booked that are going to share their um, insights with you, the listeners and viewers. So we'll see you next week, and we'll have somebody doing something really interesting in WordPress, online marketing, or in the course educational space, sharing their expertise with you. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.